This is the decision point with Anand Nanduri. Anand, the Super Bowl is coming up. We're going to get to that later. But we are in coach hiring season. Most of the coaches have been hired, with the exception of one or two that may take jobs after the Super Bowl because they're either on the Rams or they're on the Bengals. Let's get started with the first coach hire. The first out of the gate was Matt Eberfluss. Matt Eberfluss going to the Bears, a surprise hire. No one was expecting a Colts assistant, Colts that did not make the playoffs, to get hired right away. Like they were, The Bears were in a hurry to get Matt Eberfluss. I mean, the Bears have Justin Fields. You would think that this would be an attractive landing spot for any, especially offensive coordinator, excited to work with that particular weaponry. You have Justin Fields and Mooney, but they went with Eberfluss. Okay, okay. Yeah. Who is this guy? So he was the uh, the Colts DC for a long time, and he's bringing a lot of his Colts staff over to the Bears, which I think, you know, I, I think conventional knowledge suggests that you would hire an offensive coach for a young quarterback, but that's not always the case, right? I, I mean, we've seen defensive coaches work. I mean, McDermott in Buffalo is a great example. I mean, the whole AFC East has kind of gone uh, defensive coach until very, very recently. So, I mean, it can work. It's, it's not the end of the world. Um, I actually really, really like Matt Eberflus. I think the the question that we that we're gonna have immediately, right, is okay, if you're gonna hire a defensive coach, who are you gonna hire as his offensive coordinator, right? Who is gonna be our quarterback whisperer, so to speak? Um, and Luke Getze comes over and and is very, very, very highly recommended from a lot, a lot, a lot of people. So I, I mean, I think the pairing can work. I'm just excited that you've got some young energy in that building because right. it kind of feels like the McCaskies have been, you know a little bit stuck in their ways for a long time. So it was really, really nice to see them kind of uh, go in a different direction. What is the background of the offensive coordinator? Getty, I believe, if I'm – correct me if I'm wrong. I believe he was in um, in Green Bay. Uh, I, I believe he oh, was with no. – I believe he was with uh, – he was with Nathaniel Hackett and with Aaron Rodgers this past year. And, mm. and um, man – People say really good things about what Luke Getzey's going to bring to this offense. Is that so, right? Is that right? Well, we'll talk about the Packers offense in the context of the Nathaniel Hackett hire in a minute. But all I can say about Eberfluss is he must be charming. He oh, yeah. must have just been magnetic. And that's a good thing. Like, that's what you want. You want a magnanimous, charismatic figure at the top. Yeah, this absolutely. Is, this is what we want, dude. This is yes. See, that's what that's what I care about. Do I don't care as much about you know? Does this guy have the toughness? Does this guy have the chin? Does this guy have the system? Get out of here, right? It sounds like this guy might have that it factor, that Sean McVay it factor, and just because you don't know him, and just because his team didn't make the playoffs, that actually makes me like him more. Because that's what we see every year. It's just whoever made the playoffs gets raided, right? Their coaching staff gets raided, and they, they bring over all the defensive, offensive quarterback coach from whoever won the Super Bowl, even though the Super Bowl was won by a Patrick Mahomes, was won by a Tom Brady. But no, it's the guy on the sidelines. going to make sure we give him too much credit, we, we, and we make sure we hire him. Because we're gonna we're gonna get that Lombardi Trophy now that we have that guy that was the guy behind the guy behind the guy on the sidelines. Yeah, that's the ticket. That's how we're gonna get the Lombardi Trophy. 
So usually that's a mistake. So if they're hiring someone who didn't even make the playoffs, this is interesting to me. That sounds like he has some leadership qualities that may translate well and that I, we could look up midseason and Justin Fields is in very good hands. I wouldn't be surprised at all about that. I think that just based on that, it was a better hire than Nathaniel Hackett. But you read these articles on you know, these on these corporate media publications like you know SB Nation, right? All these clickbait articles about you know the coach hiring update number seven, right? And it's like Ibraflus uh, grade D. Why? Oh, his team didn't make the playoffs, and we don't know him. And the Bears made a snap hire decision and should have taken their time. What do you know? What do you know, writer for SB Nation? Are, are, are you an, an HR expert, hiring process savant? What are you talking about? Like, you know. Did you, have you ever met Brian? Do you, do you know anything about Brian Eberfloss? I'm sure you don't. And Nathaniel Hackett, on the other hand, oh, he gets A's. Oh, he was responsible for this Green Bay offense. Meanwhile, it was the Aaron Rodgers offense. And my problem with hiring someone from Green Bay is the Adam Gaze corollary, that just because the guy was helping Peyton Manning call his own plays, right, that he was Peyton Manning's play-calling caddy, doesn't necessarily make him any good at being a head coach, a leader of men, and to make things worse, the Packers' offense played slow. One of our big issues touting Packers players, especially Aaron Rodgers in fantasy football in 2021, was that he was so impossibly efficient in 2020 that with his, such a high touchdown rate and completion percentage, it just couldn't be replicated to make up for the slow pace of play. So it's if you know that a coach has the fundamental philosophy that we need to play fast and pass more than we run, we didn't we don't have evidence of that with Nathaniel Hackett. No. And I think the biggest thing about Hackett is I would have loved for him to get the job with the Bears. And the reason for that is obviously for Fields' development. I mean, he he does really, really help quarterbacks more than just about anybody that's out there if you're looking for that quote-unquote QB whisperer that was one of your guys right that you'd be looking at sure what what do you think he was whispering in Aaron Rodgers ear please stop talking (laughs) what did he say to Aaron Aaron was struggling Aaron was fucking up man (laughs) he was never on time everything was off and he whispered something he told he gave Aaron a tip (laughs) Right, and then that next practice, Aaron Rodgers out there just darts. Right, it's it's one of those things where I think that the right coach makes your quarterback's life a lot easier. Right, um, not to go too far off on a tangent, but what what Kyle Shanahan has done for Jimmy Garoppolo is make his life so easy that it's hey, here's this masterpiece. Just give me something, give me anything. Just don't screw it up. Right here's here's this here's this glorious castle in the sky. All I'm asking is that you don't break every window. All I'm asking is you at least throw as many touchdowns as interceptions in the playoffs and give us 200 passing yards a game. Okay, you can't even do that. You're out, Matt. They're a field goal away from the Super Bowl again, again. I I I have no idea how. 
where does Jimmy Garoppolo rank in terms of NFL quarterbacks for Anand Nanduri? Where do you have Jimmy Garoppolo? One through 32. He's in the top 32. We know he's the top 32 quarterback. Where do you rank Jimmy Garoppolo? He's somewhere between 25 and 32 for me. Yeah. He's not going to win you a Super Bowl. It's not going to happen. And I think that people get into a very dangerous situation when when you have a quarterback that's somewhere in that 20 to 32 range. You need They either need to be really young or you need to have a brilliant roster and a brilliant coach in order to get much out of them. Right. And I think people make the mistake all the time of saying, oh, but he wins. Right. Like, yeah, of course he wins. Kyle Shanahan is out here drawing plays up that in the 1970s would have had you banished to Azkaban. Like this does what, what all the stuff that he's doing out here is just absolute smoke and mirrors. And if you look at it right, Bears fans will know this. Matt Nagy did a lot of the same stuff with Mitch Trubisky early on. It's just he never found that that second pitch. The fastball was great, but everything else sucked. And so what Kyle has been able to do is self-scout and adapt over and over again and say, okay, if somebody tries to use my stuff against me, this is how I defend it. Once somebody puts that tape out there, he's already got something else to show you. So I mean, it's not. It's this is not an indictment by any way on hiring Nathaniel Hackett. You just need to understand what you're getting. It's not some offensive savant in that McVeigh and Kyle Shanahan, you know, vein. Thank you. It's much more of the hey, your quarterback is going to be much better with this guy than without him. And obviously, one of the weird transition Maybe. things that you have right is. A guy that's calling plays or not calling plays, being a head coach, is drastically different. Your your operational responsibilities are to help your team get better every single day. You're no longer just the quarterback's best friend. You've got to spend time with your defense. You've got to spend time with your special teams. And look, like we all know how great Green Bay was last year. Their special teams were god-awful. God-awful. And that's part of what cost them the, the ability to host a home NFC championship game. And, and so... It's one of those things where if you go back and look, there's here's a really good one. Go back and look at all of those articles that were posted when John Harbaugh was hired as a special teams coach. A special teams coach gets head coaching gig. Everybody's up in arms, right? I'd say that worked out pretty well for him. Yes. So I, yes. I hesitate to, to criticize hires immediately only because we don't know what, what led them to being hired. The John Harbaugh corollary is that. That's why I like the Eberflus hire. What you're looking for is a leader of men. Their football acumen, the fact that they're a quarterback's best friend, all of this other stuff is great, but that's those are add-ons. Number one is, can you lead a group of 50-plus grown men to their ultimate goal? That's what you're looking for. Yeah. Everything else is just a bonus. I'm worried about the Nathaniel Hackett hire. I'm not worried about the Texans. They hired Lovey Smith. Lovey Smith has been a head coach in the league before. He knows this business. He knows how to manage a team and lead men. But if you go read these SB Nation breakdowns, this is a quote. I'd award points for Smith's awesome beard, but this isn't a beauty contest. I hate this hire. It's old, stodgy thinking. Well, I hate this article. <laughs> Matt. The what the Texans, the only thing that the Texans have going for them at this particular moment is that Lovey Smith is going to bring them structure that they desperately need. They got lucky 
they got lucky that a man like Lovey Smith was willing to take this job and just eat shit for the next couple of years. They Wait, got I, lucky. I mean, why would you fight? Like, look, there is not a soul alive that thinks that David Cully did anything other than an admirable job. Yes. He should not have been fired. Why did they let him go? He exceeded expectations. If you exceed expectations as a coach in the NFL with a team with the worst talent profile, did not finish last, did not even finish second to last, and had an average defense, you could argue that the Texans' defense exceeded expectations more than any other unit in the yeah. NFL, and you're going to let that guy go? What? What? He deserves an opportunity to build this thing from the ground up. What makes me crazy, absolutely crazy, is that you have these coaches that are part of the rebuild, and then they don't get to see the fruit that the tree bears that they planted, that they cultivated, and the yep. shame of it, the shame of it is a lot of these coaches are African-American coaches, and yeah. then they get fired, and it's some nepotism-based hire that comes in and gets to enjoy all the fruit of that labor, and yep. it's shameful. It's a it's really shitty sad. thing that happens year after year after year in the NFL, and if Lovey Smith continues to help this franchise exceed expectations, they need to award him with an extension and turn the keys over to him on a more long-term basis. He's been to a Super Bowl. It's so funny. You read all this analysis of these coaching hires, and everyone's in love with the guy that stood next to Aaron Rodgers at a urinal or that held his clipboard, right? But the guy that actually helped a team go to the Super Bowl or win the Super Bowl, that's the guy that's dismissed. That's the guy that gets the, the F in the coaching hiring call. Oh, Lovey Smith in this SB Nation piece, F. And then they talk about Doug Peterson, right? Like, oh, I don't love Doug Peterson in this role. Doug Peterson won a Super Bowl. What the hell has Nathaniel Hackett done? What the hell has Matt Eberfluss done? I mean, I'm putting some faith in Matt Eberfluss and his charisma. At least Doug Peterson has shown himself to be a creative and inspiring leader of men. That's huge. That by itself makes that hire at least a B plus. It can only go up from there. And the fact you're the Jaguars and whoever takes that job is going to eat shit for a while, you're lucky you got Doug Peterson. They lucked into the right hire because Peterson has kind of a track record, right? And, I mean, th there are guys that just overstay their welcome in certain places. It was time for Andy Reid to leave Philly when he left Philly. It felt like it was time for Peterson to leave Philly when he left Philly. Like, there are guys that kind of just won their course. Coughlin when he left the Giants. Um there, there are guys that just kind of have been somewhere a little bit too long and it kind of gets stale and, and you just need a fresh start, right? I don't think anybody denied that Peterson was a pretty good head coach. It was just essentially, you know, your way of doing things got stale here. Maybe he was clashing with upper management. I didn't read too much into all of that at the time, but the one thing is very clear. The man is capable of leading a championship caliber team and the as much as I would have loved the storylines for the Jags to hire Byron Leftwich, and as great as I think he could and will be, there's a guy out there that, that can f functionally solve all of your chaos very quickly. And I think they backed in and lucked into that hire in a big way. Um, 
I don't know what the the process obviously there was was quite messy. Um, but you know, look, if you are looking for the exact opposite of Urban Meyer on and off the field, Doug Peterson's probably it, right? I mean, it's it's not necessarily an overcorrection, but you know, I think that Doug's going to do some really great things. And I mean, obviously, we've seen what his offense did for Wentz, what it did for Foles, and you know, I, I think that Trevor Lawrence is probably the biggest beneficiary of that hire, but also it gives Jacksonville some credibility that they desperately, desperately need right now. Not a guy that's out here trying to say, hey, look at me. No. Hey, turn around. Let me look at your ass. It's really funny. Uh, Andrew Brandt, who many of you know, was a former Packers executive, was the guy that hit the button on drafting Aaron Rodgers, was tell us, um, put out a tweet the other day that, that made me laugh a little bit. And, uh, because right, one of the things if you're if you're going to sign a backup quarterback is the backup quarterback's always going to be ready. He wants to play, right? So if you're a backup, you're looking for an opportunity somewhere where you might get a shot. Well, Brett Favre never took plays off, and so Andrew sent out a tweet. I think it was last week when uh, when when Doug was hired, or two weeks ago, whenever he was hired. But uh, he said, you know, I every year I would call four or five quarterbacks, and I'd eventually get back to Doug, and he'd say, ah. All right, Andrew, how many quarterbacks did you call before me this time to come back up, Brett? And he said usually it'd be four or five. So that's just the kind of guy that he is. He's he's a guy's guy. He's funny. He's humble. And he's capable of leading an organization. Doesn't that sound like a guy you'd want to play for? Yeah. How? Why right? is this so complicated? If he's out there, you hire him. Yeah. And you're fortunate to get him if you're the Jacksonville Jaguars. Now, it is nice for him as opposed to Lovey Smith. Lovey Smith doesn't have the quarterback of the future yet. There's a chance that Davis Mills continues to ascend or that he plateaus. I think we're pretty sure that Trevor Lawrence is going to take a step forward and Doug Peterson's going to get some credit for that. So he's well positioned. As he well should. Matt, I mean, I've been no, there's been no limit to my praise for Trevor Lawrence, the prospect, right? I mean, it is. It's really hard to ruin that caliber of prospect at any point just because they're that damn good, dude. The talent's going to win out. If if anybody that that's listening to this likes to watch tape, go watch, like even if it's just a highlight reel, of some of the throws that Trevor Lawrence was making this past year, out of script, you know, just ad-libbing, doing whatever it is that Trevor Lawrence does, some kind of Thor-esque magic. I, I mean, some of the throws that he's making, there are 12 human beings on planet earth capable of making period and maybe six can do it consistently like he is in that true true upper echelon of prospect and I while I know we're kind of down on all the rookie quarterbacks from this past year other than Mac Jones I think a big part of it is you got to understand what they're inheriting I mean Jacksonville was was we already know about that we know I mean Nagy and and half the city of Chicago got fired I, I mean look like they're going to be fine. They're all going to be okay. And long-term, I have no concerns about any of them, right? I mean, we we just talked about what Jimmy Garoppolo has been doing. Imagine if Trey Lance can be Jimmy Garoppolo, right? I, I don't think anybody has that question. The question is, what's the ceiling and what's he going to look like? Because I don't think he's going to have 12 touchdowns and 12 picks. I, I just, I don't see that happening. What do you think Trey Lance's ceiling is? Ooh, that's tough to answer. I think right now you have to consider that he can be like, mm, I would say he's more in that that you know prime Ben Roethlisberger mold than he is a Josh Allen, because uh, I mean Josh Allen's 
physical gifts and Trey Lance's physical gifts are similar. I was going to say Josh Allen. Yeah. Wow. They're very similar. They're very similar physical gift-wise. Um, it's just I think that the way that he's going to be used, Shanahan really doesn't want to let Trey Lance get hit 30 times a game, and he's got an entire stable of running backs, and I, the factory is just going to produce another one this year. I mean, who who saw Elijah Mitchell out of Louisiana Lafayette coming? These coaches, man, even John Harbaugh, they get tempted to run these design QB runs. They had this weapon back there, and they just want to say, go get the first down yourself. It's so tempting. You saw the Bills doing this in the playoffs, wasting plays, running Allen. God, he was so good. Instead of just letting Allen drop back and run if he needs to. Yeah, I, I mean, I look, if you can – Josh Allen played – a point oh 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 one percentile NFL game at quarterback back to back weeks and lost right and if you go compare that to what Jimmy Garoppolo did right please don't tell me that because Garoppolo won a game up at Lambeau in theory and that Josh Allen lost one at Arrowhead please do not tell me that the win matters more than the loss I know in the grand scheme of things if you're talking about your entire franchise your entire team team winning versus team losing matters a lot but there is nothing literally nothing that Josh Allen could have done more to win that game what do you want him out there playing safety not playing prevent with 13 seconds left like I mean he would be a good safety (laughs) <laughs> He'd be a good lot of things. Question, man. question, but, question. Do you think Josh Allen would have disappeared in the second half against the Bengals? No, no. There's no quit in that dude. He would yeah. be throwing balls in a row F before he he kind of gives up on that game. Joe Burrow should be sending something to Josh <laughs> Allen after the season is over. Some gift. Some and just heck. He should be sending the entire Chiefs offense a gift. Unlabeled. Right, just from an anonymous admirer. <laughs> yeah, you know, uh, quarterback X, and he's very lucky. The entire Cincinnati Bengals team is very lucky that they weren't facing the Bills. Yeah, just let just just run the thought experiment. What do you think would have happened? What do you think we, the whole narrative around Joe Burrow would be different had they faced the Bills? And we will get to this later. We're going to talk Super Bowl later. But that's just a little preview of what my thoughts are on this matchup. What do you think that weather would have looked like at Highmark in Buffalo, Matt? Not it wouldn't have been pretty. <laughs> Not good. Probably Not driving snowstorm. I feel snow really storm. bad for Josh Allen. I feel, I feel really, really, really bad for him. I cannot remember the last time. Because, I mean, this was the narrative around Rodgers for a lot of the time, right? It was the team let him down. I, I cannot remember a postseason where a player was that absolutely just one-off shining star brilliant that didn't win a Super Bowl like I I really I can't think of it because there's no you can't say oh he wishes he could have this throwback his QBR for the playoffs was 95 95 like you're you're telling you're telling me back-to-back weeks he had 95 plus QB I just it's the wildest two-game stretch I think I've ever seen a quarterback play, and he got sent home, and I'm very sad about it. We have a metric on playerprofiler.com that is underrated, one of, if not the most underrated metric. It's called team pass plays per game. Team pass plays per game, team pass plays per game. And you can get there one of two ways. So it's an offensive coordinator. You can get there by either 
turning up the dial on the pass-to-run ratio, or you can play fast. Those are the two ways to crank up your pass plays per game. When I'm looking at an offensive coordinator or a head coach hire with an offensive coordinator background, the easiest cheat code to see is this going to be a good hire or not is what has been the history of running fast and passing frequently. The team pass plays per game. And you look at Doug Peterson, just look at the Carson Wentz profile on playerprofiler.com. You can go to the advanced metrics and go back year to year. 2016, number six in the NFL in team pass plays per game. 2017, number 13. 2018, number seven. 2019, number seven. So three out of those four years, they were top 10 in team pass plays per game. That's the easiest way to get leverage on the field if you're an NFL team. That's the easiest way that a non-player can influence the outcome of games is that the coach drills into this team. We are a team that plays fast and we are a team that throws first and asks questions later. And if that is your philosophy and that definitively by the numbers is the Doug Peterson philosophy, then you're hiring someone that is going to give your team a competitive advantage. Yeah. All these uncertainties swirling around. No one knows really who Brian Dayball is going to be in the head coaching chair. We don't know if Matt Eberfluss is going to translate. We don't know. We do not We do know this one thing about Doug Peterson, which is why I love that hire. I like that hire, too. I also like the Josh McDaniels hire. Yeah. Josh McDaniels learned a lot of lessons. And it's funny when you read these coach tracking pieces across all these just lame sports media platforms on the internet. I don't like this hire. I hope Josh McDaniels has learned his lesson from the epic flameout in Denver. Wait, what, what, what do you mean? Is it, isn't this the same Josh McDaniels that coached Tim Tebow to a level where he beat the Steelers in the playoffs? Didn't that happen? Am I wrong about that? Didn't Josh McDaniels beat the Steelers with Tim Tebow? Isn't that a thing that happened? I believe that's a thing that happened. So you're telling me that this guy was the epic failure? Are you kidding me? What are you talking about? I think it could have gone a lot better for him in Denver. But he is a human being. And human beings learn a lot. We learn a lot every day. And certainly he learned a lot of lessons in Denver. Single-celled organisms learn lessons. SB Nation. So I'm sure Josh McDaniels learned a lot. This is why, if I were hiring a coach, I would lean veteran coach that had been a head coach previously. There's a lot of lessons. I don't want to fund your learning curve, right? I don't want to bring some guy from college and be the team that he's learning on the job how to coach in the NFL or what the NFL is all about. I don't want to be facilitating some assistant to learn on the fly what it's like to be a leader of men when you can hire a guy that has already done all of those things and has all that experience. Of course you would do that. That makes sense to me. But again, when you're reading web media, these know-nothings that are ranking, judging, grading these hires, claiming that the new hires from the sexy teams that don't know anything about being a head coach, those are the A-plus hires. And these retread coaches that have all the experience, 
oh, those are the D's and the F's. It's weird to me, too. I've never understood it. I think, you know, if you're going to hire somebody to play that, you know, um, CEO kind of role for your organization, it makes sense, especially if you're Jacksonville and if you're Houston, right? Especially if you've got some kind of chaos going on. It makes all the sense in the world to do that. And I mean, to an extent, Vegas has that same problem, right? Like these are three teams that have some functional, organizational, whatever you want to call it, chaos. And I think that McDaniels, Lovey Smith, and Doug Peterson are going to bring some level of stability to these franchises that absolutely need it. Um, but I mean, I, I don't think that it's bad necessarily to take a shot on an upstart coach either, right? It, it works out. Uh, yes, it, it can happen. Sean McVay, yes. You were going to say Sean McVay, right? Uh, I was going to say Shanahan. <laughs> oh, well, there you go. Okay. It ha- yes, there are there are cases, certainly. But if you have a lot at stake with these hires. Yeah, absolutely. It's risky. I'm just saying it's, it's much riskier. You don't know what the tendencies are going to be. I would tend to believe that Nathaniel Hackett's going to play slow, and that's going to be a detriment to the team. I would lean play fast when trying to project what Doug Peterson's going to do with Jacksonville. Yeah, and I think that you know a lot of those guys that were kind of left for dead Jacksonville dynasty players have a whole lot of life now, right? You know, a, a lot of those pass catchers, running backs. I know, you know, we saw what Acres did. Etn might be a buy at this point. Trevor Lawrence is probably a buy at this point. Lavisca Chanel, Truthers Unite, right? I mean, look, I mean, how many how many opportunities are you going to have, right? Because everybody and their mother thought, okay. We'll let this Bengals season play out, and then we'll go buy Joe Burrow and T. Higgins and Jamar Chase. Good luck with that. <laughs> Good luck with that. Those prices are never coming down again. Isn't it true that Josh McDaniels is one of the most highly respected offensive coordinators in the league? So what are we doing here? Like, that's a great hire. They were lucky to get him. I can't believe that they got him out of there, to be honest. The Colts tried to get him out of there and couldn't. They were trying to wedge him out. They couldn't get him. Robert Kraft's last fu to the Colts. The Patriots just reeled him back in, like whoa. Yeah, I think that was Robert Kraft's last fu to the Colts for the whole Deflate Gate thing. Oh, now, now it's coming out that oh, we 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 lost all the data yeah. on the uh, funny how that happens, eh? PSI measurements <laughs> on the footballs. I, I, look, they'll do anything possible to discredit Brady for the success that he's had. But let's let's the the Tom Brady's career, by the way, because since we haven't, I don't think we've done a show since he retired. But Tom Brady's career is it like, the outcomes that were that happened that took him to ten Super Bowls and seven championships are in like the point oh 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 one percent of Doctor Strange's universal theories that he's looking at the 18 million possible outcomes this is the one where he gets seven rings in in 10 shots oh the multiverse right right yes yes we we there there are many realities that have been lived where tom brady never won a super bowl yeah but the this is the one where he wins seven. We're never going to see anything like that again. And I hesitate because a lot of people start to say that they see the Brady it 
in Burrow. And I get it. Like, if there is something about, man, this dude just refuses to lose, right? Like, And it, it sometimes that ignores the fact that his defense held Kansas City to three points back-to-back games. You know, they held him to three points in the second half the first time they beat him, and they held him to three points in the second time they beat him. It Look, like, there's a lot that goes into it. It's not just one guy, and we like to attribute a lot of it to one guy, right? The 28-3 comeback is Brady's comeback. The defense allowed th- zero points the rest of that game. I mean, like, like it's not just one guy, but we try to boil it down to that. And I think a big part of hiring the right coach is understanding, hey, this is when I just need to let that guy go do what he does. I don't need to coach him. I don't need to bother him. Let Aaron Donald go do Aaron Donald things this weekend. Like, we, we don't need to coach that guy. We're good there. Yeah, passing yards, passing touchdowns, Super Bowl rings. I mean, this is not even possible. Like, it's not even possible to catch it. I don't know how you would. I don't even know if you were sitting at home with a piece of paper, making your wish list, if you're Joe Burrow, if you're Josh Allen, of what I can be when I grow up or as I go through my NFL career, what's possible. It doesn't seem possible that anyone is ever going to catch this guy, that he is the GOAT of all time, the greatest athlete of all time, and what it would take for someone to catch him in any sport is such a high bar that it's almost demoralizing to even have that thought experiment. If you're Joe Burrow, if you're Josh Allen, you never want your mind to go there because you'll just get discouraged. So two things. Number one, this is how spoiled we've been watching Brady. Before Brady, the gold standard of quarterback was Joe Montana, who appeared in a Super Bowl four times and won all four. Right? Brady's won four Super Bowls in what the last six years? Like last six or seven years? That that's insanity. Right? Like it, that doesn't even register. It doesn't make any kind of sense. My favorite all-time NFL stat, and it's also my favorite Brady stat. I think Brady f- started and finished 20 years in the league. He made 14 conference championship games in those 20 years. So 70%. Drew Brees is the NFL, I believe it might be Watson if he's got enough attempts, or Mahomes if they've got enough attempts. I believe Drew Brees is the all-time NFL career passing percentage leader at about 67-68%. So if you started a given theoretical season, it's more likely that Tom Brady makes his conference championship game than that Drew Brees completes a pass. Wow. 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 Let's just summarize. The reason why Tom Brady is not coming back, because he absolutely has nothing left to prove, nothing left to play for. Let's just list where he is currently ranked first place. Starts, first place. Wins, first place. Passing yards, first place. Passing touchdowns, first place. Pro Bowls, first place. Super Bowl appearances, first place. Super Bowl wins, first place. Super Bowl passing yards, first place. Super Bowl passing touchdowns, first place. And Super Bowl game-winning drives, first place. He appeared in 10, which is more than all but, I believe, two teams. He won seven, which is... (laughs) He won seven, which is more than every single individual franchise. Here's the wildest part. This is the part that gets me every time. And when people say that they see that it factor in Burrow, this is what they're talking about. 
He played in 10 Super Bowls, which sounds astounding and is absolutely ludicrous. It doesn't make any sense. He led a fourth-quarter go-ahead drive in every single one of them. Wow. If you had 10 random games, that would be incredible. Just 10, pick 10 game, pick a 10-game span out of somebody's career. To do that against arguably the best team on the other side of the bracket 10 consecutive times is absolutely maniacal. We'll never see anything like Mani- that. Yes, maniacal. That's right. That's right. You have to be that obsessed. And the, the other thing is there was a really well-known quote from him that said he was going to play till 45. And he also said, I'm going to play until I suck, which is essentially – Codes, quarterback codes speak for come and take me out, beat me. And they couldn't. Pro Football Focus had him graded as the number three quarterback in the league and had him as their MVP this year. You couldn't take him out. That's the thing that's going to, that, that's the resounding image. The resounding image that you have of Peyton Manning is brilliance, brilliance, brilliance. Yeah, but the Broncos carried him to a Super Bowl. No, 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 no. The last image that we have of Tom Brady is the Rams team that is currently everybody's darling in the archetype, right? They traded away all these picks, acquired all these star players. The resounding image of Tom Brady is that man was down 27-3 at home and tied that game, and it took Matt Stafford and Cooper Cup doing everything that they could to win the Rams that game. That's the defining image that we have now of Brady, is you couldn't take me out. You couldn't, you couldn't turn me into dust like you did Roethlisberger, like you did Manning, like you did everybody else. That blitz, though, that blitz that let Cooper Cup run free. Oh man, what are you doing? <laughs> I'm not, I'm not mad. At that. What are you, what are you doing? What are you doing? At least bump Cup at the line of scrimmage. What are you doing? What are you doing? So that must have been frustrating for Brady, but I also believe that Brady saw that this defense wasn't going to be any better. And that he witnessed the deterioration of this defense over the last two years and knew that as good as the offense was, great offensive line, some of the best receivers in the league, he was the best quarterback in the league, Gronk, that they wouldn't be able to compete for a Super Bowl if they couldn't bring an elite defense with them as well. So that also factored in. I think if they had a better defense, a younger defense, he may have decided to come back for one more year, but he didn't want to come back to get bounced in the first round next year. That's not interesting to him after posting himself up as the greatest athlete of all time by a distance and having nothing left to prove zero, nothing, not a single thing left to prove. I get it. I, I get how that decision was made. It's sad because we don't get to see Tom Brady play football anymore, but there's a lot of young quarterbacks headlined by Joe Burrow and Josh Allen and Patrick Mahomes that are making this game very interesting every year. It's going to be more and more interesting every year with or without Brady. So we're in good hands. And I've been hearing that the Dolphins are in really good hands now. Really good hands, Anand, with Mike McDaniel. Because why? Because he comes from the Shanahan tree. Here we go. Here we go. Of course, SB Nation gives this hire an A. Of course. Why? Shit, no, shit, no, shit, no. Of of course. Right? What? Like, it's so dangerous to hire someone like Mike McDaniel because you're not sure how much he even contributed to the San Francisco offense. So the, the biggest thing that we hear a lot is that a lot of the creative run 
the, a lot of the creative run game design, Kyle attributes to um, Mike McDaniel, right? And so obviously there was an all-star staff that they had a couple years ago with Sala and and uh, Mike LaFleur and Mike McDaniel. I mean, like, look, this was the, the kind of the next iteration of that 2013 Washington squad or that early McVay squad that Zach Taylor was on. Like, look, all of these guys have gone out and been borderline home runs, right? Like, just in Washington in 2013, you had Kyle Shanahan, Sean McVay, Matt LaFleur, Mike McDaniel. All four of them are now NFL head coaches. And if we kind of understand what McVay and what Shanahan are looking for in assistance, of course they make great head coaching hires a lot of the times, right? Because what they're looking for is an extension of them, and if they're good head coaching hires, and adequate at assessing their own talents and, and you know the people around them most of these guys are going to hit I think the special part about McDaniel specifically is he is the exact opposite of what you would think an NFL head coach looks like and for that for that reason it, I just I love the guy I, I can't help but love the guy he shows up to press conferences wearing Yeezys he's you know <laughs> he freaked out when someone's name when a reporter's name was Mike Jones like there's there's just so much to love about Mike McDaniel and what the energy that he's gonna bring to Miami it's just a matter of is two of that guy right and th- that's kind of gonna be the what's gonna decide you know was McDaniel a good hire um, is ultimately what ends up happening with Tua. Oh, I know why all these fantasy writers love this guy because he looks like them. <laughs> That's why. That's why he wears glasses and looks like Neil Brennan from the Chappelle Show. He does. He does. Oh God! This, now it ex- this explains it. Yale grad, of course. <laughs> of course. You know who I prefer? If I had to choose, I would prefer to coach my team over. Mike McDaniel, I would prefer I would prefer Brian Flores. I think Brian Flores is a hell of a leader and showed incredible bravery and courage in doing what he's done, standing up to the NFL and standing up to his you know top equity holder, his boss, Stephen Ross. Will he get a job again? I would like to say yes. Um, I think that he's going to get a lot of of coaching. I think he's going to get a lot of head coach interviews, but I think that because the NFL ownership is such a fraternity of guys that kind of all look the same, it's going to be tough. It's going to be tough for him to get an NFL job. I think what ultimately happens is Brian Flores lands a massive gig running a college football program, and I think that that's going to be kind of his next interesting foray into football because, look, like it's one thing to criticize your boss – it's entirely another to kind of tear down to the foundation to kind of essentially remove the sheet and let everybody know what we know has been going on for a long time, right? It's it's disappointing when a league that's seventy percent black has no, there isn't a black owner. There, there's and one of the other things that's gonna that's gonna start to come up is, oh well, the coordinators aren't quite qualified yet. Yeah, but there are plenty of guys that are getting jobs that are unqualified, right? We know that Houston was sniffing around Josh McCown. And look, like Josh McCown may end up being a fine NFL head coach. There's no evidence that suggests where you find your coach is any indication of long-term success. It's more so the fact that how many guys are going to get passed over over and over again 
for jobs that they very clearly deserve. And I think that it, it took a lot of courage to do what he did, but I just I hope he gets another NFL job. I just don't see it. College football. I like it. Yeah. Yeah. I like it. I li- I like him running a big time college football program, right? I would have said the U, but they kind of went all in on Mario Cristobal. So next year, Leftwich is going to get hired next year. He has to get a head coaching job next year. I believe so. He has to. The problem is the Buccaneers have to tear it down. Yeah. <laughs> so now he's got the, got these new headwinds. At least Biennemi has been, you know, making it to the conference championship game every year. It's a shame. Yeah. By- Byron's going to get. Oh man, he's getting handed a mess. I don't know what Kyle Trask is. There's a lot. There's some traits to like. It's just, man. If Kyle Trask and Blaine Gabbert are your answers, I don't like the question a whole lot. In New York, they hired Brian Dayball, the other Brian, famously mixed up <laughs> other by <Brian>. Bill Belichick, <laughs> the quintessential NFL boomer. Bill Belichick is good. <laughs> texting the wrong Brian, of course. Yep. Of course. If it's a whiteboard, he knows his way around the whiteboard, the chalkboard. He would never make a mistake. But when it comes to one of these mobile devices, he's just fat-fingering. You know it. Maybe it was Nike the dog. It's just funny that he was the one in the center of this. And, (laughs) you know, if Brian Flores ever does return to the NFL, could be the Patriots. We'll see. I could see it. We'll see. What do you think of the Brian Dayball hire in New York? I wonder how much of it has to do with getting what they can out of Daniel Jones. Like, I, I think that the hire itself is very good. I like Brian Dable. We know that he's interviewed for places before. I'm frankly heartbroken that he doesn't get to spend more time with Josh Allen just because I loved what they did together. I think Josh Allen's going to be just fine, by the way. Oh, yeah, that's the thing. They don't talk about that. The coach worshipers, they don't talk about the following year when the quarterback wins the MVP after he lost that magical offensive coordinator who went on to take a head coaching job. How did he do that? How is Josh Allen so good without Brian Dayball? Oh, that's right. Oh, my my favorite is always the, if he takes a Josh Allen-esque leap, oh yeah, sure. (laughs) If they're the 1% of the 1%, you're going to be just fine. Uh, but no, I think Dayball's a really good hire. He's a brilliant offensive mind. They, they they play fast in Buffalo. They play fast and they lean pass heavy. So for that reason alone, this was one of the top hires on my board because I have a separate board that's almost the complete opposite of like the SB Nation grading system. This this hire was really really good. I'm in, I'm more interested to see in terms of Dayball uh, what they decide to do with Daniel Jones do they try to shop him and accept that they want to pick their own quarterback or do they actually go in and say hey you're our guy for this year show us what you got because I mean there there are traits to like right it's just turnover machine it's interesting because if you're Brian Dayball this is not a great job no you would think that he could have taken a better job even you could argue Jacksonville's better because at least they have Trevor Lawrence to build around yeah. And they're going to get a top draft pick, probably a left tackle. Mm-hmm. So Evan Neal with yeah. Trevor Lawrence, that seems like a great foundation to me. This is not the best year to have the number one pick. <laughs> this is not great. Like where you have the the stone worst franchise in the league when you just look at the talent profile of the organization. You could argue, oh, Houston, but these teams are already in a rebuild mode. This is a team that has to start rebuilding, has to tear this whole thing down, has to get rid of Barkley, has to get rid of Jones, has to get 
whatever they can for Bradbury, but they won't do it because Dayball's coming in saying, "Hey, I want to try to win." What do you? What, I, I don't want. I don't. I don't want to be the fall guy here. I didn't come in here to be a fall guy, right? You did. I'm not a, some tomato can hire. Here we go. That's just a weird match. But when you look at New Orleans, the Dennis Allen hire. What do we see playing out in New Orleans? They desperately need continuity because <clears throat> one of the things that we talk about a lot on here, obviously, is uh, kind of what their cap situation looks like. They've got a lot of veterans. They've got a lot of contracts on their books for guys that aren't playing anymore or guys that are clearly phased beyond uh, what they're being paid, um, you know, according to the cap. And I think it was going to be a tough sell without a long-term quarterback in place with Michael Thomas doing whatever it is Michael Thomas did and with an aging defense, like it's a tough sell to get somebody, you know, you know, like to go out into the coaching pool and say, Hey, that guy's going to fix it. Whereas I think at least the continuity of having Dennis Allen there, even if it's temporary, um, I think the continuity of having Dennis Allen there is just going to bring some kind of stability to the franchise. Sure. Even though I know losing Sean Payton is, I mean, they lost Breeze, and that was really bad, but losing Peyton might be as bad, if not worse. So uh, it's it's going to be really tough for them in the short term. Um, but I think long term, realistically speaking, they have a really good front office. They have really good ownership. They'll be okay. It's just the next couple of years are probably going to be pretty rough. He went 8-28 and with the Raiders before they hired John Gruden. It's not great. I mean, he has learned those lessons, like I talked about earlier. He's done the job. It's not the worst hire. It's just not great. And it's more of an indication of where the Saints are headed, which is to just a complete teardown because of all these bloated veteran contracts. They can cut a lot of salary, and they will. It's up to $80 million they can get away with cutting without taking on huge dead money expense. So there's plenty of room to maneuver these contracts. But, 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 but. How are you going to go out and win games next year? How are the Tampa Bay Buccaneers going to go out and win games with Kyle Trask or Blaine Gabbert or whoever they bring in? If you're See, the Atlanta Falcons, you're looking at this going, well, for the long-term best interests of our franchise, we should be seeing if we can move Matt Ryan. We should be talking to Denver, talking to Pittsburgh about Matt Ryan. But now you look up and you're like, well, the NFC South is very attainable. We could finish 8-9 and nine and win the NFC South. We're going to run yep. this back with Matt Ryan. We're going to see if we can, we can make this happen. We're not going to trade Ridley. We're not going to trade Ryan. We're going to go draft some pieces on defense. We're going to bolster the defense in the NFL draft. We're going to go for it. That's what they're going to do. I can already hear this conversation. It's already happened with Arthur Blank. That, that We're doing this. That's the problem, Matt. If you start rebuilding a year too late, you waste a window like this. But they're going to talk themselves into it. Playoffs, dude. Playoffs. You play an extra game, Anand. They get to play an extra game. They get to be taken out by whoever the two seed is. Yep. Great. Well, here's the here's the danger, right? Had they rebuilt last year, they would be going into year two with a rookie quarterback on a rookie quarterback salary having moved off of Matt Ryan. And when do we see the biggest jump in quarterbacks? It's from year one to year two. So if the guy that you drafted is going to be that guy, he can push you over to winning the division this year, right? That's the problem with rebuilding a year late instead of a year early. 
you're going to align much more with other people's rebuilds if you don't do it before you want to do it. That's the biggest thing. If you're willing to hit the teardown button before the light has quite faded on potentially winning something, that's your best opportunity. And this longer term is a good signal for Saints fans. That the hire of Dennis Allen signals that, you know what? They might be tearing this down a year early. Meanwhile, a team like the Buccaneers is going to try to run it back with the veterans they have and piece together the quarterback position. The Falcons are going to run it back with Matt Ryan. Wait, we can actually get this process started before anyone else in our division. Yep. That would be really smart. So there's some real hope there in New Orleans. Now, the the Minnesota Vikings, they hired Kevin O'Connell. And he comes from the Rams. So you know a little bit about him. Good hire. I like what Kevin O'Connell does. Um, I think the interesting, it's a very interesting culture fit, right? Because Kevin O'Connell's always felt like an L.A. guy, backup quarterback. We, I mean, most people kind of know the story. Um, but Kevin is a really, really, really smart football mind. It's just a very weird culture fit in Minnesota. And you, you, the immediate question is going to be, you know, what do you do with Kirk Cousins? He looks like a stock photo white guy. He does. <laughs> I think he does. I mean, he does. <laughs> let's let's hope he does not coach like a stock photo white guy on Sunday. <laughs> I mean, you talk about all the all the scandals swirling around the NFL right now and coach hiring, and then you pull up Kevin O'Connell, and you're like, <laughs> okay, I, I guess we have we have we have the, the symbol for 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 what's going on right now in the NFL. Here 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 he is. I'm sure he's great, though. I'm sure he's great. And you know who thinks he's great? SB Nation thinks he's great because oh the team that he <laughs> helped coach is in the Super Bowl. So, of course, it was an incredible hire. Right. It, it Look, I think Kevin's going to do some really good things in Minnesota. The, the ultimate, Once again, the question is, is Kirk Cousins that guy? Can you build around him? And how long can you keep that defense together? Right? Like. Minnesota clearly needs offensive line investment. We all know that. Dalvin Cook's contract and hit the fact that he can't, you know, stay super healthy is a little bit concerning. But you have Madison there and you've you've got pieces at receiver that you really, really like in terms of Jefferson's about as good as we have in the league. And Adam Thielen, even though he's getting older, is still a very valuable piece to have. Yeah, hey, look, Kevin O'Connell had a locker next to Tom Brady at one point. Yeah, he, yes, he did. Right, he was in meetings with Bill Belichick. He was in meetings with Bill Belichick. He's a very, very, very smart dude. And Sean McVay, Sean McVay's right hand man. I mean, you you have the the Sean McVay tree and the Belichick tree and the Brady tree. How is this not going to be like a sequoia of a coach? Right. <laughs> I mean, it, it it happens at times where you know you got you have guys like that. But I I think Kevin's going to do some great things in Minnesota. I'm just more concerned with what they're going to do at quarterback, right? Because if you pay Kirk Cousins $50 million, I got news for you. That's not going to end well. <laughs> um, mm. But if you don't, then who are you going to go get, right? Is is um, What, Kellen Mond? Kellen Mond. Is Kellen Mond the guy? Probably not, but anything's possible. Anything is possible, right? That's why that's that's why the NFL is fun, Matt. Everybody's set up to go 500 every year. Mond has an interesting profile. Mond took care of the football. Mond has mobility. He could be something. I'm curious to see what he is. But if you're Minnesota, you don't want to find out. <laughs> no, soon. you don't. You don't. No, you don't. 
if you're Green Bay, you don't want to know what Jordan Love is right now. Do you think that Rodgers is back in Green Bay? Ultimately speaking, I think they want him back, and I think it's going to be this whole drawn-out saga again. Do I think that he plays there next year? (sighs) Yeah, because the alternatives are that bad. Right. That's right. It would be so irrational. It would go down in history as one of the boneheaded front office moves if they don't get on bended knee and do whatever it takes. Because the, the, my thought process, if you're Green Bay, right, is you need an influx of young talent. And they've done very well, like much better in the draft than anybody's given them credit for the past couple of years. But at the same time, you need a second wide receiver. And bringing back Aaron and Devontae is just I, I mean, it's a Herculean effort. So people talk about the cap as, as the accounting tool that I kind of explained that it is. The, the issue for Green Bay is that in order to sign and trade either Adams or Rodgers, they have to be under the cap in March. And that's going to require a bunch of stuff already. You're going to already have to push extension money long into the future. So you're going to create even more dead cap if you try to trade them. There's a whole lot going on here. Um, I think that the most realistic course of action is they're going to mortgage everything and bring him back and just accept that if Jordan Love's not that guy, Jordan Love's not that guy. And franchise tag Devontae Adams. They're going to have to be under the cap to do it. And that's that's the therein lies the problem, right? Because you've got to get under before you apply the franchise tag and before you do anything else. So they've got a lot of stuff to do. Zadarius Smith is probably gone. I would be shocked if they get either Devondre Campbell or um, why well, Rasul Douglas back. Like they're they're losing very 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 instrumental key pieces. They're probably going to lose two O linemen. Like there's a lot going on in Green Bay. I if I'm Aaron, I'm I kind of question. You know, like what what am I'm I may come back, but what am I coming back to? Right. It's like the Brady decision. Like he knew that the defense would be degraded in 2022. And he saw how challenging it was to make the Super Bowl this season. He's like, well, I'm definitely not going to make it next season with Sue a year older and Pierre Paul a year older and us up against the cap. It's not going to happen. Yeah. And I mean, it's tough, right? Like athletes acknowledging that their sports mortality often has more to do with the pieces around them than it has to do with themselves is a level of thinking that, that, you know, once you get there, you're done. You're done. That's it. Once you once you let that enter your frame of consciousness and start to understand, hey, it's not about what I can do anymore. This team just isn't going to do it. It's it's the it's the Tom Brady just had the forty four year old moment that Calvin Johnson had, realizing that the current Lions team that he was on was not going to be worth the later life problems that he was going to have from playing over and over and over again. He made a hundred plus million dollars. He was good. I'm I'm good. I'm it. I'm going to the Hall of Fame. See everybody later. Time for Super Bowl predictions. Hey. We teased it (laughs) a couple times. (laughs) Yeah, we did. I'll go first. I love the Joe Burrow story, but I think things had to really break his way for him to even be here. This has not been the best offense this year. It's not been the best defense this year. Their overall team metrics have not been near the top of the league. That's where Buffalo was. That's where Los Angeles was. Los Angeles had some of the best team metrics of anyone in the playoffs, plus minus, everything you look at, point differential, DVOA, unit by unit. 
talent profile of the teams near the top of the league. They performed at near the top of the league in all these categories. Pass defense, run defense, passing game, running game. They play fast. They pass first. They do all these things that you've seen them do time and time again, executing at the very highest level to come back against Tampa, most notably not allowing Shanahan and company yeah. to take them out. So I am been super impressed with this team. I think that they're simply the best. They're the best team with the least weaknesses, and that typically wins. And that's why they're the favorites, according to the sports books. Mm-hmm. But I'm enamored with Joe Burrow like everybody else. <laughs> and I think it's going to be a great story. I'm going to probably find my, my head rooting for the Rams, my heart rooting for the Bengals, and my head has a much better record than my heart. Yeah. That's what it is. So I had, I remember we did the, uh, we did all of our um, player profiler Rotor Underworld pre-postseason. They had us each kind of write a little blurb about what we think the Super Bowl matchup was going to be. And uh, at that point, I thought it was going to be Chiefs-Packers. And after Wild Card mm. Week, and mm. I came on here and had all four underdogs winning outright. Why did I do that? Well, number one, I did not trust Aaron Rodgers more than I trusted Kyle Shanahan. That one was pretty self-explanatory. The Titans and the Bengals was much more, I trust Joe Burrow in that spot more than I trust Ryan Tannehill. And I think the Titans had an incredible season and they had opportunities to win that game, right? They sacked Joe Burrow nine times, right? And found and somehow lost that game. I still don't know how they lost that game. Then Rams, Bucks. it was very simply this. I don't trust Tampa's defense, right? And they did step up late in the game, but at the very final moment, the dam broke and, and it all went to hell. Bills, Chiefs, I just thought Buffalo was the better team. One of the worst blitzes in NFL history. Yeah, Bills, Chiefs, I just thought Buffalo was the better team. I did. And I think that they, over the course of 60 minutes of that game, I think they proved that. And Mahomes pulled something that only Mahomes can do and won that game. And Godspeed, great effort, but, you know, that one was wrong. I picked Cincinnati to beat Kansas City because... There is something about the boogeyman, right? The Bills just can't beat the Chiefs when it's when it matters. Mahomes just can't beat Brady when it matters. And for some reason, Mahomes can't beat Joe Burrow. I don't know what it is. There's some weird voodoo stuff going on there. And I just trusted it, right? That that he would go into Arrowhead and do it again. Really? This is what people are tuning into, voodoo talk. He would do it again, right? Because there there is there's an it quality. There is something to root for there. And then Rams Niners, it was just it was time. They had lost six in a row. It's at home. If you don't win that game, forget about it forever. The, the Niners would own us forever, right? And so in this game, it's the two most interesting storylines, I think, right? Uh, the Rams have built a team in a way that historically people have told you you cannot build it. Yeah, team. trading all your draft picks. Trading all your draft picks, but it requires one thing that people are missing. It requires hitting on later round picks, and Les Snead has acquired more of those, you know, those those tokens to put in the slot machine. And they've been hitting Traven Howard late in the draft, Jordan Fuller late in the draft. You need to be able to go get guys like that that are NFL starters later in the draft in order to keep doing things the way that you're doing it. And then the Bengals, right? Burrow tears his ACL. A year later, they're in, <laughs> they're in a Super Bowl, right? And 
I think I think the magic for the Bengals. I, I think it just runs out. I I don't think he's going to have more than that second and a half to get rid of that football. Rams D line versus Bengals O line may be the most lopsided unit on unit Super Bowl matchup I've ever seen. Um, I I think the game's going to be close. I think Burrow's going to keep a minute. I've got it somewhere in that thirty to twenty six range, uh, just because I think they're they're all, they're both going to throw the ball all over the yard. After the first quarter where everybody's feeling each other out and trying to get cute, running the ball, it happens every single year. Nobody wants to lose the game in the first quarter. I get it. But after that, I think you're going to see a fireworks show, and I've got the Rams winning 30-26, to which would make me happy. But do not be surprised if you look up late in that fourth quarter and the Bengals are still in that game because there is something about that team, and especially Lou Anarumo does not get enough credit that defense in the second half of games this year has been spectacular. And they have done everything adjustment-wise at halftime to – suffocate opposing offenses going into the second half. So I think I think we're in for a really, really good one. Even though on paper it kind of seems like the Rams should should kind of run away with this one in terms of talent and, you know, winning both trenches in theory. But look, the Bengals have found a way all year and I will not be surprised if they find a way again. I just don't think it's gonna happen. The Bengals have found a way all year, and I will not be surprised if they find a way again. I just don't think it's going to happen. That's the show. While we're talking about our original predictions, I predicted it would be Bill's box. Even though I knew by the numbers the two best teams were the Bills and the Rams. But I, you know, I th- there was one head pick. Right, the Bills and and a heart pick, which was the box. I just I I wanted to see Tom Brady in the Super Bowl, so I, I I wanted that to happen. I talked myself into their secondary getting healthier with Jamel Dean and Sean Murphy Bunting coming back, but it, it wasn't enough. Matt, are you a, are you a Pats fan growing up in New England? From Maine, Patriots fan. Love Tom Brady. Love Gronkowski. Love that. Just I wanted to see Bills, but I wanted to see Bills box. That would have been really cool. Um, but if I would have just gone by the book, the book move, the best teams, the two best teams were the Bills and the Rams. And uh, it was definitely not the fucking Titans and the Packers. They just happened to play in divisions with the Lions, the Bears, the Texans, and the Jaguars. I'm still not sure how the Titans got the one seed. Like, how, how did... The, the most mind-boggling... Like, there's a lot of mind-boggling scores. AFC South, dude. He looks like a stock photo white guy. Let's let's hope he does not coach like a stock photo white guy on Sunday. How is this not going to be like a sequoia of a coach? Single-celled organisms learn lessons. Really, this is what people are tuning into, voodoo talk. 
They don't talk about the following year when the quarterback wins the MVP after he lost that magical offensive coordinator who went on to take a head coaching job. How did he do that? How is Josh Allen so good without Brian Dayball? Oh, that's right. If you start rebuilding a year too late, you waste a window like this. Yes, we, we there, there are many realities that have been lived where Tom Brady never won a Super Bowl. He looks like a stock photo white guy. If you start rebuilding a year too late, you waste a window like this. Right, and then that next practice, Aaron Rodgers out there just darts, right? I'm enamored with Joe Burrow like everybody else. There are many realities that have been lived where Tom Brady never won a Super Bowl.